Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. We all know kind of the topic for today. We're going to talk about how to partner with us, partnership opportunities, how you guys can do deals. We're going to talk about how you guys can find deals. And so we're going to talk about how you guys can find deals really without doing a lot outside of what you normally do. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how we can work together a little bit more. We're going to talk about our inner circle program that some of you probably know about. We've made some additions to that program as well. So I'll just jump right into it. And just, you know, to keep in mind for, for these couple of hours that we're going to spend together, I'm going to give you guys a little bit more of an opportunity to like ask questions and stuff like that. Cause I know that every time I talk about the way that we're doing the partnership program, there's a, a lot of questions that come up, a lot of them that I've never heard before. So I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to ask questions, talk, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a background. When we talk about like the partnership opportunities that we're offering and how we're doing it, we're always talking about like short-term duration deals, like fix and flips, things that we can get in and get out of for the most part. You know, everybody that's here, I'm sure, is here for the same reason, right? We're all trying to improve our financial well-being. You know, we're, we're probably at a, a place where we're saying, hey, I want to grow. I want to make more money. I want to earn money passively. And most of you have probably started out by reading a book or tuning into our podcast or being on a webinar with, with something that basically said, hey, the way that you're earning money right now isn't the most efficient and effective way to do things. I know for me, that message came across in 2003 when I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, when you know I went from wanting to be a, you know, uh, I was in pre-med in, in college and I wanted to have a high paying job. And by the time I ended up finishing that book, I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur and own real estate. When I thought about like owning real estate and most of the books and seminars and stuff that you guys are going to see out there, they talk more about long-term passive income, right? So who's here effectively high level because they want to earn dollars $30,000 a month passively. Who here, like that's their kind of like primary objective, right? So most people in the room, like most people don't get into investing to start flipping houses and neither did I. In fact, like when I started investing, I was a real estate agent, um, you know, doing traditional retail deals, doing five to 10, you know, sales per year, making okay money. And I wanted to, to own assets. I wanted to own multifamilies in and around New England. But it wasn't until I actually did my first flip deal that I was able to start investing passively. Most of you kind of know this story, but I'm going to just tell it really briefly. The first investing deal I ever did was actually a listing appointment that I went on in Somerville, Massachusetts, 13 Cameron Ave in Somerville, Mass. And I walked in the door. Didn't know it at the time. I mean, I was, I don't know how, how young, 25, 26 years old. I had no idea what a hoarder was, but long story short, I found out. And I kept trying to convince the seller to list her house with me. I mean, it would have been a great listing. 
but she just simply wanted to sell direct to an investor. And as much as I pushed and pushed to list her house, that wasn't the solution that she wanted. And we effectively left the meeting with her saying to me, if you, if you can't find somebody to buy this house without going inside, like I will. So that property I ended up, that was my first flip, made $115,000 in that deal. And I realized really quickly that you could do a lot of things with $115,000, right? So kind of getting back to the original point, like everybody's here at the end of the day to make their life easier, to earn five, 10, 15,000, $20,000, $30,000 a month passively. But one of the issues that we all run into is how do we get the down payments for these properties? So what I found really quickly is that fixing and flipping homes gave me big chunks of income, you know, 40, 50, 60, 80, $100,000 at a time that I could then use to actually grow my passive income portfolio. And I would say nine out of 10 investors that I know that have grown a 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a month passive income business have done so by following a simple formula, which is that they flip one or two or three houses, use that money as a down payment for an, a, a passive income property, and they just repeat that process, right? That's kind of the most tried and true investing method that I've seen. It's what most people who do that do. Because at the end of the day, it's not that easy to come up with a bunch of down payments on these multifamilies. 30, 40, 50, 60, $100,000 per multifamily, like how do you come up with that money and how do you buy a property every year or every two years? I mean, you only need to buy a property every couple of years to achieve financial freedom within a 10 to 12 year window. But how do you keep coming up with that money? Unless you're an extremely high income earner, flipping makes a lot of sense. Now, the story that I just told, which is the first deal, it's the deal that my brokerage is named after, that deal, did I do anything to actually proactively try to find an investment deal? Like, was I out there trying to find an investment deal? I was doing my regular course of action, course of business as a real estate agent, right? I was going out there, working my sphere of influence. I got an appointment and I converted that appointment. Instead of making $7,000 or $8,000 or $10,000, I made $115,000. Who wants to magnify their commissions by 10 times? Right? I'd say everybody in this room, and you can do that through flipping homes. One of the reasons that I didn't want to flip in the beginning was because I didn't have money and I didn't know how to do construction. I know probably half of you in the room know this about me, but I'm a very, very, very white collar person. Like I can't do anything blue collar. I can screw in a light bulb, like literally that's the extent. When I first started, like one of the reasons I didn't want to flip or I didn't flip is because I didn't have the construction background and I didn't have the money, which again is the position that a lot of agents are in. And even for you that are out there that can pull off the construction, one thing I don't recommend is that if you're a successful agent, becoming a contractor, because it's going to be hard to kind of do both at the same time. So what I did in my business, I have two other partners in my business that not a lot of you probably know or see because I'm kind of the face of the business, but my other two partners are responsible for the money and the construction. So ever since, and we flipped over a thousand houses now at this point, ever since we started, all that I've been responsible for in my business 
is finding deals. Finding deals, getting them under contract. I hand them over to my partners. They get the funding all set. They do the construction. The partnership program that we're talking about today that some of you have probably already heard about that's already been in motion for a few months gives everybody in the room that same opportunity that I had on day one. Uh, truth be told, like there's no way I could have fixed and flipped a thousand houses if I needed to figure out how to get the money, manage the construction and find the deals. Like it's too many hacks to wear to do that volume. Maybe I could have figured out how to do a couple hundred flips. Maybe, I don't know. But I couldn't have done it as efficiently and effectively, you know, otherwise. For most people in this room, you kind of have to make a decision because I'm going to talk, obviously, a lot about how the partnership program works. But at the end of the day, like one thing that I want you guys to think about as we're talking about all this stuff is, do you want to go out and be really actively, aggressively, always looking for deals? Or do you want to be just completely passive and come across an opportunity here and there? Um, I'm going to talk about how to be completely passive, like how to not spend most of your time out hunting for flip deals. And I want to just illustrate that point by talking to you guys about four or five partner deals that we've already done, like how the people found those deals and kind of give you guys an illustration of like why sellers would want to work with us. Because one common misconception that a lot of people have to overcome is the misconception that when we are going out there and we're buying homes from sellers, like somehow like we're providing them with a bad deal. Does anybody have that fear or have that kind of like mindset or thing in the back of their head that they're like, hey, if I offer a fix and flip price to my seller, like I'm doing them a disservice? couple people, um, probably more than a race in their hand. Um, and I know that because I have these conversations every day. So one thing that I just want to get into everybody's head as we're talking about this is only 10% of all sellers are going to want to sell to an investor, right? So when we're offering a cash offer price versus a retail listing, we're offering them two completely different services. And when we offer those two completely different services, only 10% of the time is somebody going to say, yeah, I get it. I'm going to get less money, but I want this, right? So when we buy a property cash from somebody, we do a few things. And depending on the person and their situation, the value of these things is different. So when we buy a property from somebody, obviously we buy a cash. Why is it important to, to offer cash? Well, you know, we're not beholden to getting a loan. We're, we're not worried about getting any sort of FHA inspection. We're not worried about whether the property appraises. We buy it on their timeline. This is an important one that a lot of people don't think too much about. There are sellers that are out there that have a very specific timeline. Now, you can say, yes, the market's hot. You can put the property on the MLS, and you can hope that the property closes on time. If you've been in the business long enough, you know that with retail buyers, the deal isn't done until it's done, right? Where with us, it is done. And I'll give you guys an example of why this is important. We had a seller in West Roxbury. We went to her house. House was dated, but okay. Could have sold on the market traditionally. Uh, the seller said to us, I've lived in this house for 40 years. I'm moving south to the Taunton area with my daughter. And I want to take my time finding a place. 
but I also want you to be completely ready to buy my house two or three weeks after I find this property. Has anybody here ever worked with a seller that's been under the gun to find something because they're trying to do both at the same time? Some people really don't want that stress in their life. This particular example, this woman in West Roxbury that had a ton of equity, the most important thing for her was finding a place near her daughter, taking her time and getting into the right situation. Getting 30 or 40 or $50,000 more money for her was her secondary priority, right? So we offer cash. There's no, there's no um, inspections. There's no lending. We move on their time frame. There's a lot of benefits, you know, to selling to an investor. They can leave all of their stuff behind, right? So when, when we're offering a cash price to somebody, and I could talk about this for an hour, we're giving them convenience and a hassle-free transaction for less money. And the sellers, the 10% of all sellers that choose to go in that direction, they understand that. Like we don't represent when we go on these appointments. We never represent that, hey, we're going to give you top dollar for cash, right? You've got two options. We kind of highlight both and they end up, you know, making the decision. When we're talking about like being passive versus active, almost every agent in this room has the ability to find deals passively. You don't have to do a lot to find a deal, right? I'm going to give you some very, very simple passive ways to get deals that will end up probably getting you maybe one deal a year or one deal every other year right? This is completely passive. You're not like going, you know, too far out of like the scope of what you normally do. And one way to do it is just to make sure that when you're going on every listing appointment that you go on, that you're able to offer both options. So when somebody's in our inner circle program and they're working with us on the partnership track, uh, we'll actually go on those appointments with you. So you don't even have to be the one delivering the price. You don't even have to be the one carrying the conversation. We'll go out, we'll negotiate with the seller. We can just simply be the person that's out there for cash. And then you can have the conversation for retail. So we'll go on every one of those appointments with you. And I'm talking about easy, simple, passive ways that you guys can get deals, get a deal every year, two deals a year, one deal every other year, just by adding you know, that to your listing presentation. The second way is to make sure that everybody that you know is aware that you actually want to buy these type of properties. One of the areas, I don't care, like almost in every agent's business that I see a big gap between like what they could be doing for business and what they are doing is social media. Has everybody heard the phrase like, don't be a secret agent? Raise your hand if you've heard that phrase, right? Now I always do this, like that they're having a hard time like getting cash off for deals or getting listings. Immediately, I go on their social media profile, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. Those are the two big ones. I scroll down for like two seconds. No exaggeration, 90% of the time, I have no idea they're in real estate. 90% of the time. Posting and staying in front of your SOI with the ability to say, hey, like I not only list homes, but we also buy homes is an area where you might get like one deal a year, one deal every other year. And what does it mean to get one deal a year? Just to put it kind of in terms of numbers, the average fix and flip profit that we do is sixty to eighty thousand dollars. We split those profits with agents 50-50. So when we say like, don't be a secret agent, don't be a secret agent investor. 
it's the same thing, right? Like who here, if I scroll down their social media, can honestly say, hey, everybody that knows me knows I'm an investor. Raise your hand high. So we've got, I don't know, 50 people in the room and maybe five people. Like I got a couple half hands too, right? I saw your half hand, right, Colleen? So a half hand, right? So, so the reality is like most of us aren't doing a great job there. How much effort does it take to do that? Five minutes a day? Legit five minutes a day. By the way, do you guys think I like posting every day, texting you guys every day, and emailing you guys every day? Who thinks I like that? <laughs> Fuck no. Fuck no. No, I don't. It annoys me to do it, okay? So I, I can only imagine how everybody else feels. Here's the reality of the situation. We all know that everybody has busy lives, right? As much as we want to think everyone's going to remember us for all this stuff, the reality is that's not true, right? People have families. People have, you know, illnesses. People are taking care of their parents. People are taking care of their kids. People are focused on their own business, right? So probably one of the best people who does all this stuff is Grant Cardone, right? He's everywhere all the time. And I can guarantee most people in the room haven't even thought about him in like a week, at least. How do you think like your SOI is going to remember you when they have an investment deal when you haven't even posted in like three months, right? So social media is a really easy way to pick up like passive deals. Um, and that, that doesn't just go for social media. It goes for like, you know, emailing your SOI, mailing your SOI, all the stuff that you should be doing as an agent. You should be doing that as an agent investor to get these types of deals. And the other area that's just such an easy way to do this is to make sure that you're telling other agents about what you do. Most real estate agents are not thinking about investing. I wish it was the case. My mission is to change that, but I, I'm not going to change that by myself. At least 90% of agents, when they come across and stumble across an investment opportunity, they don't even recognize it. What does that mean for you? Every single time that you're co-broking with an agent or talking to somebody in your office, it's an opportunity for you to be the outlet for that. So I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations about deals we've actually partnered with on people, how they came about, just to give you guys an example on how you can do this stuff somewhat passively. Uh, Henry Nugent, who I don't think is here, is an agent who joined our brokerage. He joined the inner circle three or four months ago. Told me he's going to go out, set the world on fire, get a bunch of deals. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like everybody tells me that. So a week later, he sends me a message on Facebook. He went to a continuing education event. Told everybody in the room that he's looking for investing deals. Bumped into another agent that has a single family for sale. Long story short, we bought that property. That agent got the full commission. And Henry's now partnered with us on that deal. So that was just an example of Henry. He had to do the continuing education anyways, right? So Henry could have sat there and not talked to anybody, but he talked to a bunch of people, found a deal. Now he's partnered with us on a deal. Another deal that we've got under agreement on the MLS now, single family in Middleton. Uh, it was an agent who joined the inner circle. She joined by investing $50,000 into one of our apartments, told me that once in a while she stumbles across you know, off-market opportunities. She went on a listing appointment in Middleton. Property needed a decent amount of work. Septic failed. Does everybody know like it's 
pretty hard to sell to a retail buyer when a septic fails. So like this is an example, right, of her basically identifying, oh, I know that needs to sell to an investor. So I'm going to bring Ocean City in to make an offer. They did that. And we put that property on the market. That property's under contract now. Um, 80, 80 to $90,000 profit. Okay. Which isn't out of the realm of possibility. There are deals where we make much less. But all that she did was identifying opportunity, you know, she normally would see. Now, what she said to me, and I know this is true a lot of the time, this seller did not want to go on the MLS. So normally what she would have done is try to find an investor and maybe make that commission up front and hope to get the listing on the back end. So what's the difference net to her? Okay, well, it was a $300,000 purchase up front. So she might have made $6,000 up front and a $500,000 resale on the back end. Maybe she would have made another... 10, 12,000 there. So the difference is over $25,000 to her just because she's working with us and, you know, she can do as many of those deals as she wants. So, so one thing as I was promoting this event, I don't know if it's interesting or whatever, but I, maybe I missed the mark a little bit on the messaging is I had multiple people reply back to me. I had one person be like, Hey dude, like I do the same thing as you. Like, why would I come to this event? <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, first of all, I could probably teach you way more than you already know. Like that's just first of all, but second of all, <laughs> you guys, even if you do this, you're going to come across deals that you don't want to do for many different reasons. It could be a geography thing, you know, so we, we buy fix and flip in all of new England. It could be that you get tied up on multiple projects. It could be a type of project that you don't want to do. It could be a tighter margin project that you don't want to take on. There could be a thousand reasons why, even if you're in this business and you're actively looking for deals. I mean, this used to happen to me all the time in the very beginning. Like we would find too many deals all at once and then we could only do one. So this eliminates that from happening. So yeah, the other thing with wholesaling, and wholesaling is fine, is you are kind of like almost like capping your income a little bit. Um, when when you flip, this doesn't happen all the time. One out of every like four or five or six properties that you do sells for way more than you thought. And we actually partnered um, on a deal in Andover with um, a, another uh, team in our office, and we made over $200,000 on that deal. It's just because somebody way overpaid. Why they way overpaid, I don't know. I can't explain it. Like there were no comps to justify it. But when you're partnering with us on these deals, you get that upside. And by the way, you get no downside. Like there is no money required when you partner with us. If we lose $100,000 in the deal, like you're not negative 50, you're zero. Right. So keep that in mind too. So I, I do want to talk just really quickly about like identification in general. So it, it is my opinion that I, I think that if you're an agent, you're much better off like always having the cash offer in your back pocket. But I do want to talk kind of like just quickly high level about like why some reasons that people sell to us that like you should be kind of like looking for and kind of being aware of kind of in general. This is in no particular order. And I actually did a presentation before, like on 30 reasons why sellers sell to us. But I want to kind of highlight the ones that pop up the most often. One is inheritance. So if you kind of think about like somebody inheriting a property, 
a lot of times it's multiple people that are taking over the property. Well, who's responsible for getting the property market ready? Who's responsible for house ready? Who's hiring the realtor? And then the person who's doing the work has to split that profit, you know, two, three, four ways. And a lot of times somebody who inherits a home, they're paying taxes, they're paying insurance all throughout that time. So they want to usually do that quick and fast and conveniently. So that's a very kind of common, common thing. You know, Mike said that we closed on a property in, I think he said it was 10 days. We had a property that we had to close on in four days. Now, this is not common, but this was a property that was going to auction. Seller was going to get nothing um, if, if, we, if we couldn't close on the property in four days. In four days, we made that happen. Now, I will say that people thinking that like they're behind on their mortgage like is a common thing. It's actually not one of the most common things, but it, it can be something that pops up. Septics are kind of like a no-brainer. Septic fails. It's a $30,000 to $40,000 or $50,000 repair. Almost no retail buyer is going to be willing to like do that. So that's another very common thing. The obvious like of a house needing a lot of work. When properties need a lot of work, Typically, retail buyers don't buy them. Of course, you walk in. Another one that I already mentioned is, is hoarding and just the mindset with somebody that doesn't want other people in their house. One of the more common reasons that people sell to us is just that they don't want other people in their house for whatever reason. It could be like maybe their house isn't as clean or as tidy or whatever, but they don't want somebody seeing like the inside of their house. I talked about the timeline one. They want to sell and move in a very specific, you know, period of time. Maybe they're moving out of state. You know, a, another one is just an age factor. Like, hey, I've owned my house for 40 years. I have a ton of equity. I want to get to my next place with that, with as minimal hassle and headache and stress as possible. And maybe my house doesn't even need that much work, but I want a guarantee and I don't want to have to market my property. Um, some people hate realtors, believe it or not. Like they just think that paying a realtor is like, you know, a waste of money and they just want to sell their house themselves. And the list can kind of go on and on and on. But again, like if you have an opportunity for us to go out to a property, we'll go out to that property with you. You know, we can be the one to deliver the cash offer price or talk to them about different options. So that kind of leads me into the next point, which is just like, how, how does this actually work? I have a team of, of five or six people that are out on the road every single day. I really don't need almost any notice to get out to a property. So you could literally give me a, an appointment that we could go on today and we can most likely be there today. Worst case scenario, maybe the next day. So people typically just send me a message on Facebook saying, hey, I have an opportunity. You know, whether we're going to go out on it with them or maybe they've already gone out on the appointment, it is definitely better for us to go out there. But if you can't have us go out there, you've already gone out there, that's okay too. When we get out there, we're going to pretty much know about what we can pay for the house. We're going to be kind of reconciling repairs and maybe like, is this a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom? But we're going to have a pretty good idea of what we can pay. And we're going to go out there. We're going to bring our purchase and sale. And we're going to want to get into an agreement with the seller if the deal like works for them. But we know... like. You know, these are your leads. These are the people that you talk to. This is your, you know, your deal. So we're going to let you got, we're going to tell you kind of what we believe and what we found to be best practices on these. 
yes, we want to go into contracts sooner rather than later because we know that the longer time goes on, the more issues we have with getting a deal locked down. But I guess your client, it is the person that you're working with. And we'll go out, like I said, we go out seven days a week. We just need a little bit of notice, like a few hours notice. We'll go out there with you. We have the contracts. Um, you know, we'll give them a deposit or anything to kind of bind the deal. And then we'll buy it, you know, at whatever date and time that we agreed to buy it at. There is no money, like I mentioned a few times, no money out of pocket for the agent whatsoever. You know, there's no construction input necessary for agents. Um, once in a while, you know, an agent will be part of that, but there is no requirements there for an agent to manage the project or do anything like that. And, you know, typically we hope to have a property that we can put back onto the market in two or three months. We get the deal done and then we split the profit kind of 50-50 with people. We need to be directly communicating with the sellers. If you have the ability for us alone, we will do a deal anywhere. But it doesn't matter what state you're in. If you're on, like, if you see a post in a Facebook group, hey, I'm wholesaling this deal, and then you bring it to us, like, that doesn't qualify. So you would have to actively market, like, in another state. Like, I mean, everybody's here is local to New England. You'd have to be actively marketing in another state for us to partner with you. The, the thing I would focus on is getting face-to-face -face seller appointments. However you can come across that, that's what I would do. And when I say face-to-face -face seller appointments, just to be crystal clear, like we're able to go in the living room, talk to the seller, not talk to a wholesaler, not talk to another agent. These are going to be deals where agents are going to make $25,000, dollars $40,000. The other five, six, dollars $7,000 on the back end, I mean, if you want to just list the house and provide us with the lead, we'll give you the listing back. All right. So we talked about like average profits. I do want to talk quickly about bigger deals because we have focused on fix and flips right now. But I also want to talk about bigger deals. We've been brought deals and people have actually partnered with us on those. So I want to talk about how that worked, why it's important just in case you come across any larger apartment deals like passively. The last one that we that we funded is an 88 unit in Nashua, New Hampshire. That was brought to us by an agent in the inner circle, Mike LaFaver. And Mike actually put that deal under contract, the 88 unit in Nashua, and came to us and asked us if we wanted to partner with him on that deal. So in that in that case, Mike brought the uh, Mike brought the deal. We brought the money and we're actually working out something together where we're kind of co-managing the construction. And Mike is now a partner in that deal. So that deal, when it's all said and done, will throw off somewhere around $300,000 per year in passive income. And Mike is a partner on that deal. So Mike is going to actually get a portion of that $300,000 per year plus the equity that's going to be in that building. Now, when I talk about passively, like most agents are not going to come across deals like that too often. And we're not going to do every deal that comes across our plate like that. The fix and flips, if you've got something that we can get to that makes money, we're almost definitely going to do it. Whereas the apartment deals, there's a lot more kind of filters that are going to come. And it also depends on like where we're at with our capital raising to determine whether or not we're going to do a deal like that. 
Um, the second one that we did is our deal in Hooksett, New Hampshire. It's actually one of our lenders that brought us that deal. He is now 10% owner of that deal. Similar numbers to um, Hooksett, that deal you know, will be done in a couple of years, and he's going to earn passive income, hopefully for the rest of his life, just for bringing that deal. So I mentioned this not to be a focus, and I definitely don't want to take questions on this because you're not going to come up with too many of these opportunities. It has to be kind of like a more exclusive type of deal. Um, so we are much more particular with those. If you have anything, send them over to us. We're happy to look at everything. And that kind of leads me to my next point. The top question I get asked from all agents when it comes to, like, what are you guys looking for? And my answer to that is whatever you find. Do not put any filters when you reach out to me. Don't worry about whether or not a deal qualifies. Don't try to figure out if it's a good deal or not. If you have a face-to-face -face appointment with the seller that we can go on with you, just let me know. That's all you really need to know because we will buy anything for the right price. Does that make sense? We're representing the LLC, so we're the buyer, right? So we're going in, we're the home buyer, we're the person that wants to buy the property. You're the agent, you're their friend, you're, you know, you were the one that, that came up with that deal, right? You're working with us, right? And we're essentially your client in a way. So we're going out there and we're providing them with a potential solution that we know 90% of the time is not what they're gonna choose. But sometimes, you know, they will. And, and what happens more often than not, like when, when agents work with us, whether they're in our company or not, after a period of time, the more you get educated on this stuff, you kind of know, like, what seller makes sense for this. I know it probably seems obvious, but, you know, like, it is a little bit more, it takes a little bit more experience than you would think. Because it's easy to kind of judge a book by its cover and assume things based on condition of the property or location or conversation. But when you really dig in deep to their situation and what their motivation is, and you ask them a bunch of questions to kind of figure out what they want, it becomes kind of obvious whether or not we should be in the mix of that solution. So yeah, we're coming in, you're their friend, you know, you, you can always list the property for them. But, you know, if they want, you know, a more convenient way to sell their property with no inspections and no, no mortgage contingencies and they can leave the stuff there or if they have a field septic or whatever, like we're happy to kind of provide that as a solution. And we would rather go out on more appointments than less. So again, like when it comes to filtering what you send us, like don't. The only filter I'd want you to put on is like, are we dealing with the homeowner directly? We'd love to go on that appointment. We believe economically that we're in a market right now that is fragile. And we're in a market right now where I really wouldn't be surprised too much if in six months we were down or in six months we were up, which means that like there's market risk that is greater than there has been in the past. So we like to be in deals where we can buy the property, renovate it for like 60 days and then get out. Sometimes that removes higher price properties or like luxury properties. We don't do single family new construction. And we also don't do like high, high end, 300,000, 4,000 square foot properties because it's just too long. So um, there is no price point 
but I will tell you like in general, what we find out of the thousand flips that we've done is that in general, the lower price points tend to, it's more common for somebody in a lower priced home to sell to an investor than a luxury home. When it comes to finding deals, everybody in this room has to make a decision. So what I used to do when I worked for Keller Williams, which always worked, I always got deals this way. It was a really easy way to get deals. I used to ask the, um, the team leader, I would say, hey, at you know the, the company meeting, can I come and do a five-minute presentation, like the fix and flips I'm doing and the deals I'm looking for? So I used to do this five-minute presentation, and almost every single time I would leave that room, I would get an opportunity. And I would just talk about how you know we fix and flip homes. I didn't even have the partnership program back then. I used to just say, hey, if you give me a deal, I'll let you list it back. And a lot of agents didn't even care about that. They just wanted to, to have no co-broke up front. So for an agent that, that does that with you, like if you were to go around from an office to an office type of thing, and you can do this anywhere. It doesn't have to be like within your own brokerage. It could be at a National Association of Realtors. It could be any congregation of agents where you have the ability to do any speaking whatsoever. It's an opportunity that most agents are going to make more money. Right, because if they if they get a listing agreement, they refer you a deal, and you're not co-broking it. They're going to make double what they would normally make. So that would be one thing I would think about doing. The second thing would be the social media part. There are so many different ways that you can do social media, but I would try as best you can to do at least one post per week on the fact that you're looking for off-market investment opportunities. And think about like the benefits that you can provide other agents when it comes to that. This goes back to kind of just what you guys should be doing anyways. But you guys are at this event today. Like there's no, like unless there's some reason that you don't want to be associated with this event, there's no reason why all of you shouldn't be taking a picture with like the logo or doing something related to the fact that like, hey, I'm not only an agent, but I'm also an investor. Like telling people what you learned about, telling people that you're an investor telling them about any investing successes that you've had or you've been a part of, anything that you're focused on learning about related to investing. Even our projects, you know, promoting our projects, you have full permission to do that, right? You can say you're a part of the deal. I don't care, right? Any fix and flips that we do, any apartment deals that we do, anything that we do, you know, you guys will have full permission to do anything like that. Just random, you know, posts about the fact that you're looking for deals, that you, that you have a you know a different way to work with sellers. Facebook and Instagram have the biggest number of people. Um, and you should also be, and again, this is just standard retail traditional stuff, but you should always be adding to that list, right? Always be growing the number of followers, always be growing the number of Facebook friends. Then you should have email and, and maybe consider text. Text is kind of a little bit dicey, like whether or not you want that. But have some sort of like email newsletter that goes out to people that's not completely canned, that talks about investing in some way at least once a month. Again, this is all stuff that like you already probably should be doing as an agent. You should have a CRM like our agents get the CRM follow-up boss. I love follow-up boss, but the best CRM is the one that you use. And you should be emailing people periodically. And the other thing that I think is just so easy and low cost is just to make sure that you're mailing people and you're mailing people in your SOI related to investing. 
So for this event, just to give you guys, you know, an idea of what I did, like I wanted agents here, right? So what did I do? One thing I did was I mailed agents. I mailed 5,000 agents. Now, I, I knew that by mailing 5,000 agents, most of them weren't going to come. But 5,000 agents now got a letter from me basically saying, hey, I partner with agents. This is what I'm looking for. So, but there's 5,000 people that are now learning about my offering, right? And we're talking about like easy to do. Then just passive networking, like when you're co-broking with agents, when you're at agent events, like we talked about that example. And so again, between those things, seller appointments, talking to other agents, just making sure that you're top of mind with people that you know, like I said, that should produce maybe a deal a year, two deals a year, one deal every other year type of thing. If you want to actually do a lot more of these deals, then you need to determine like how you're going to do your marketing. The best kind of byproduct of going after investment opportunities is getting more listings. I did a presentation on this about building a seller-based business. As investors, all that we're looking to do is generate face-to-face -face seller appointments. That's all we're looking to do. Right? I'm going to talk about how to do it in a second. But as an investor, we're looking for off-market sellers that want to sell their house that might consider a cash offer. Now, remember the, the facts that I just said to you guys earlier. Only 10% of sellers are actually going to sell to an investor. What does that mean for the other 90%? They're going to list, right? If you're an agent that just wanted more listings, proactively going after sellers is a really, really good way to get listings. The vast majority of people that we meet with, the conversation is really simple. Like, hey, this is what we do. This is why these are the benefits of selling to an investor, but you're going to get a little bit less money. And most of the time, 90% of the time, they say, oh, I thought that you were going to come out here, give me a cash offer, give me all of these benefits and give me the same price that I would get on the MLS. Common misconception, it's not the seller's fault. They have no idea why you're coming out there or what you're going to offer. And it's an easy transition in many cases to a listing. Okay, you want the most money for your house, right? And the analogy of pond A and pond B is the same for them, right? If you want to be in pond B, you're going to get a little bit less money, right? If there's only a few buyers looking at your property, you're going to get a little bit less money. Or you could bring, bring, your, bring your property into pond A where every buyer has access to it. You're going to get the most amount of money. The question then is, like, how do you actually achieve those seller appointments? So the first thing to think about when you're talking about generating seller appointments is do you want to spend time or money or both? There's really no other way to get seller appointments besides spending time or money. You know, if you want to be more direct with going after this stuff, you have to first think like, am I going to have a marketing budget or am I going to do this stuff for free? Now, when I say like have a marketing budget, on average, what do you guys think it costs me money-wise to get a seller appointment? Like how much money? So we got everywhere from $100 to 10000 Yeah, it's closer to like eight, nine, $1,000, $1,200 per appointment. It really depends on where you're putting the marketing dollars. So if you need 10 appointments to actually get a really good deal, because 90% of the people are not going to want to sell to an investor, then you need to spend $10,000 to get a deal. That's just rough numbers, high level, you know, with, with a lot of, a lot of uh, data. 
So for most people, when they hear that, they don't want to spend $10,000. If you do want to spend $10,000 and you're willing to have a budget of like two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 or more per month, the best way to do it is mailing and pay-per-click. The difference between mailing and pay-per-click are, are pretty simple. What's more important to you? Is it to have a really targeted seller or to have a little bit more motivated but untargeted seller? So I'll explain the differences really quick, and then I'll stop for any questions on this. So when you run a pay-per-click campaign, you're paying Google for certain keywords. Like everybody knows like you put a search term into, into Google and an ad comes up, right? You guys know what that is? So you could, you could have the search term, sell my house fast, right? And that's going to pop up, right? Somebody might put that in. If somebody types that into Google, do you think they're motivated? If somebody turns on their computer, goes to their computer, types sell my house fast, is the motivation high or low? Okay. It's really high. Now, the only issue with that is what are they selling, right? You could get a mobile home. You could get a two-family you could get a property in Connecticut. You could get anything. When you're running Google pay-per-click and you're spending the $10,000 to get a deal, you just have to understand that like, you could get a condo, you could get a townhouse, you could get a multifamily. You could get a restaurant that wants to sell their property. You could get anything. So for some people, that's okay. They're okay with taking like a more wide approach and they're able to make money on anything. That's our approach. We're able to take any property where the seller's willing to take a discount and we can make money on that. If you want to be more specific for a number of different reasons, maybe it's like you only want to work in Merrimack Valley or you only want to work in Hillsborough County, then you've got to take a more targeted approach like mailing. If you're going to mail, you want to make sure that you're doing a few things. Most important thing is that you have that budget. Most common mistake I see agents make when it comes to mailing is they want to have, they send out 150 letters and then they reach out to me and they ask me why they didn't get a deal. And I answer them, they are about 19,850 letters short. <laughs> it's the truth. You're, you're like 19,850 letters short. Just do 19,850 more and then talk to me. I want to be clear about this. A lot of times people will get convinced on webinars and seminars that you can stack lists, you can find like this perfectly motivated person, you're going to send them two letters and they're going to sell to you. It's like scratching a scratch ticket. It's very, very unlikely. When you're talking about mailing, the most important thing is repetition over time. So just to give you guys, like, I mean, that's a perfect example. When, when somebody thinks I'm going to send out 150 of these, that's the type of competition that you're dealing with, right? So people are sending these over and over again. And that's why you need to do $10,000 of marketing if you're going to mail. If you heard all of that and you either can't spend two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a month or you're just not ready to yet because you're not confident enough in the ability to get these deals done, then you have to go to free marketing. So we talked about like a variety of like passive ways to kind of do free marketing. And I want to talk about another one really quick, which is just agent relationship marketing. So I gave you guys like a couple of examples, like talking to Cobros and stuff like that. You can make a much more kind of targeted approach at getting investment deals from agents. And no matter where you live, I live in Melrose. 
leading edge like dominates in Melrose for whatever reason. Some people don't even know who leading edge is probably because they're not in every market. What you want to do is you want to figure out like where you want to get deals from and then who's selling, who, not just buyer side, but just listing side in those markets. So there's a program that I use. You don't probably necessarily even need this program to do it, but I, I have a program called Broker Metrics. And you can probably get this data out of MLS, but I, I use it in a, a program called Broker Metrics. And you can basically say, hey, list these 10 towns out and then spit me back all the agents that have had five plus listings in the last you know, two years in this particular town. And it'll give you the listing. It'll give the contact information. Not that agents are that hard to find. And it'll give you their email, their phone number or whatever. And then it's just like any other like person that you're approaching. You just want to make sure that you have a scorecard every week for the number of agents that you talk to. Does everybody kind of know why an agent might benefit from working with you? If somebody said no. I'm glad you said no. So let's just say, like, what, what town do you serve the most? Okay, Linfield. So let's just say in, in Linfield, Massachusetts, that you come across an opportunity Let's say it's a house, failed septic, right? Because that can happen in Linfield. House needs some work. And you meet with the seller and the seller is like, okay, yeah, like I'll, I'll list or I'll sell direct or whatever, but I want to work with you. And then you sign a listing agreement with them for four or five or 6%. You know about me because I'm promoting and all this other stuff. And you bring that deal to me. And I come in and I make an offer and I don't take a commission. Okay. So Colwell Banker, really big in Linfield, like does a lot of Linfield listings, right? So if Linfield was your market, like making sure that everybody that you know in that office knows that you're looking for these types of deals and letting them know that if you bring a deal, like you're not co-broking. And in Linfield, that's worth a good amount of money because even a house that needs a ton of work in Linfield is at least $500,000. And I'm probably being conservative there. So any agent that brings you a deal directly is making an additional $10,000 by bringing it to you rather than to the market. Does that make sense? So if you're going to have some sort of like agent relationship funnel, you want to figure out first, like, who do I want to target based on the locations and then get a database and then actually start to reach out to them. Now, there's a million different ways that you can reach out to agents. I like to take the uh, more socially inept approach of not picking up the phone and calling because it's not my personality. I want to have like 30 agents in Linfield that I want to make sure I know about my offering. The first thing I would do is I would go on Facebook and I would friend request all those agents. And out of those 30 people, probably half of them are going to immediately accept my request. Now they're on my Facebook. Now every post I do, they're probably seeing. And instead of calling, and this is just me, calling is probably better, but I would probably send all of those people a Facebook message. Has anybody gotten a Facebook message from me? Real easy for me to do, right? I don't have to pick up the phone because I'm shy. So that's an easy way to go about communicating with people without kind of going too far outside of your comfort zone. But then I would also have those people on an email drip of some sort. Right, not an obnoxious one, probably not one like the ones I have, but one periodically sending them a newsletter or telling them what you're looking for. So now you're friends with them on Facebook, you've messaged them on Facebook, and now you're front and center with those people all the time.
So one thing we know about real estate, like they say the 80-20 rule, in real estate agency, it's really like the 95-5 rule. Like 5% of agents do everything, right? So if you're looking for to, to network with agents in a specific market, you absolutely have to make sure that you are picking the right people. Because you could talk to 10 agents that service Linfield that never get a listing in Linfield, right? So you have to be very strategic about who you're going to network with, unless you're taking an approach like this, where you're speaking in front of a large volume of people. Connecting with agents is completely free. Um, most agents will forget about you unless you're top of mind with them, which is why it's important to have all of these kind of follow-up things in the background, emailing, Facebook, and all this other stuff. What's going to happen is an agent's going to go out, they're going to meet with the seller, the house is going to need a bunch of work, or there's a failed septic or whatever. They're going to sign a listing agreement. I mean, that's what all agents are trained to do, right? And that's what they're going to do. They're going to go out, they're going to get a listing agreement signed. And then the hope is if you're front and center with them, they're going to come to you. Why are they going to come to you? Because you're not going to co-broke, right? So they're going to make double the amount of money and then you would split it with us. Now, could you split your half with them? You could. I'm not going to say that you can't. I just don't think you need to. Because again, like what, what I know about this type of stuff is that most agents don't come across 50 of these in a year. So it's, it's like the mailing where you have to be front and center. And most of them are not going to be thinking about like, how do I absolutely maximize every dollar that I'm going to make? But if I do know that I'm going to have somebody that won't co-broke it and it's easy and they were in front of me last week with an email, I'll probably take the path of least resistance and go to them. So I don't think it's necessary to like split a profit with them, but you could, if you wanted to, I would have no issue with it. They'll make double the money. If they have a 5% listing, instead of them losing two and a half to a buyer agent, you're an agent, you're coming in, you don't have to co-broke it. They also don't have to like market the property, put the property on the MLS, spend any money or any time. So they're also saving time and money too, by not having to do that. And of course, this all has to work for the sellers. Keep that in mind. Like, this is, this is only for when it works for the seller. What we don't do, and it wouldn't work anyways, is like we're not going out trying to tell a seller that like we're their best option no matter what, and you need to sell to us, and we're giving you top dollar. Like We're explaining to them what we're doing, what the benefits are of working with us. 10% of the time, they're going to want those benefits. 90% of the time, they're going to say, why would I do that at one top dollar? Great. We're not your solution. All right. So that's going to take time, effort, and energy. It will build. Once you form those relationships, like they should be paying dividends like over and over again. Right. So we, we launched this um, agent partnership program and we're getting two to three appointments a week just from doing this. Right. And we've signed, I think, two deals per month for the four months that we've been doing. it. So we'll do 24, 25 deals doing the same type of stuff that you would be doing if you're trying to go up about doing the same thing. Another way to do this um, is door knocking. So agents door knock for listings all the time. Door knocking is a very cheap yet effective way to find deals. When I first started, I would go up and down the streets of Malden, Medford, and I would, I would actually list out the properties that I wanted to target. So if you're specifically, you can kind of take two approaches with door knocking. The first is like, I'm going to hit like every door. I'm okay, whether it's a listing or I'm okay with whether it's an investment deal, or you could take a little bit more of a targeted approach. 
Number one, they have to have equity to sell. So if a person has no equity, they don't have the ability to sell to you, they have to list traditionally. So if you're going to door knocking, you're going to take like a less targeted approach. You also have to understand that if you're going up and down streets, that most of the people actually can't sell to you. Most people don't have enough equity to sell to investors. They just don't. Most are going to have a little bit of equity, enough to list traditionally, but they're not going to have enough to sell to an investor. So if you're going to be targeted about it, you want to put that filter on. So if their property is worth 400, you want a loan of 200 or less. Otherwise, you're going to run into more retail type of sellers. So just like every other marketing, you want to have basically a plan. You want to have a scorecard that you're looking at every week. You want to know how much you need to do something every week in order to hit your goals. And then you want to look at that number every single week to know if you're doing it. Our company reviews our scorecard. I think I've shown a bunch of you our scorecard like in various things. And we just look every single week. Like, did we hit the number of appointments? Did we hit the number of acquisitions? Did we recruit the, the no right number of agents? Like, we look at that every week to see whether or not we're on track. So I talked about um, it's very common when I talk to an agent and they tell me they can't get deals or business. I look on their social media. I can't even tell they're an agent. I, this is another kind of like gaping hole in our industry. How many people here have a weekly scorecard that they feel confident with that they look at every single week? So I got one hand in the whole room. And I, I say this, this is not a bad thing. The reason why it's not a bad thing is because you're all surviving running your business like a hobby. That's good because if you actually run it like a business, you'll make way more freaking money. Okay, so you need to know what you're doing every single week. Like this is part of what we do in the inner circle with people. We look at, you know, what's their one, three, and 10-year goal? And we say, okay, what are the activities that you need to do to hit those goals? And what are your numbers that you need to hit on a weekly basis? Like we know in our company, we need at least 80 face-to-face -face seller appointments a week. We need at least two acquisitions a week. We need to recruit at least two agents a week. We, so we look at all these different numbers and we can say on a weekly basis, are we hitting it? Because if we're not hitting our weekly goals, we're not going to hit our monthly goals and we're not going to hit our yearly goals and we're never going to hit the 10-year goal, right? Most of us are here, not for like a one-year goal, but for like a five-year goal. The five-year goal is ultimately... Why are you here? Like, what's going to change your life? You're thinking, you came here, I want my life to be X, you know, financially. Like, what is that, right? Some of you have like a pretty decent understanding of what that is. And then you work backwards to say, what do I need to do every single day? And look at it every single week. So when you're going door knocking, you need to know that. And you need to, you need to also bring with you some sort of like door hanger or leave behind. Because most people aren't going to answer their door, right? Most people aren't going to be home. But a door hanger, is it better or worse than a mailer? Better, right? They have to look at it. Like, like you could, some people sort their mail and they're half looking and whatever. But like, if you put a door hanger on somebody's door, they're looking at it. They have to. Literally have to. Right? So, so it's more effective than a mailer. It's a way to sweat equity it. So if you say, hey, well, I'm at a disadvantage because I can't mail. Well, you could have a door and hanger and beat my mailing, you know, nine times out of 10. And then anybody that you talk to, you just want to add to your database. So we have a sheet that we used to use when I used to door knock. It would say like condition of the house, address of the house, and it would have some basic information. 
then at the end of the day, for every door I knocked, I would enter that into my CRM. And as you get more advanced, maybe you can have a virtual assistant add that into your CRM. And then you have a database. I, I found it to be like scary at first, but it, it was really pretty simple after you kind of started doing it. If you do talk to people, the benefit that you get is you'll be able to figure out like when they are selling. And you'll be able to know, like ideally, like in your city, you'll have a database, like saying this person selling in 2025, this person selling in 2026, this person's not selling at all, etc. By the way, pick one strategy and get really good at it. That's a common mistake too, is switching strategies consistently instead of sticking to one strategy consistently. All right. Another strategy that I'm going to kind of like combine together because they're they're kind of wanting in of the same is text messaging and cold calling. So first thing I'm going to put out there about it is that you have to do it compliantly. Okay, there's all sorts of regulations and guidelines about what you can and can't do when it comes to text messaging and cold calling. So you want to make sure that you're doing it compliantly, that you're not calling people you can't call, that you're not texting people you can't text. Um, the good news about that is, is that there are plenty of programs that are out there. I'll give you guys an example of one called Lead Sherpa, L-E-A-D-S-H-E-R-P-A. They're a text messaging company that helps you with the compliance. So they scrub the do not call list. They, they do all of these things and they teach you how to do this. But calling and texting are almost the same thing, in my opinion. I mean, you're basically putting a message out there and you're hoping to get, you know, one out of 100 people to tell you, yes, maybe I would consider an offer on my home. Ringless voicemail is always illegal. Again, like, you know, like anything else in life, you guys have to determine what you're going to do and what you're not. I'm only telling you that it's not legal because it's not, and it never will be. There's no circumstance under which ringless voicemail is legal. I also don't believe that ringless voicemail is super effective because I don't think it actually, if you think about it like logistically, Right. Has anybody here in this room called back like a ringless voicemail? When, when you're talking about marketing in general, think about whether or not you would reply or you would respond, which is why I think if you're going to make a phone call, you've got to get somebody live on the phone so that there's that communication or texting. I do know for 100% certainty, there's no loophole with real estate. Like real estate is one of the ones they're actually trying to clamp down on. You know, like anything else, like, you know, if you have nothing to lose and you get sued, well, how much can you lose? Nothing. But would I advocate doing it? I just don't think you need to. Like, I think there, I think you can do it compliantly if you want to. And I don't think it like is, will make you suffer in any way. So that company, Lead Sherpa, you know, is really good and they train you and teach you how to do it. It's low cost and you can do the same thing with your calling. But at the end of the day, like as we're talking about all these things, agent networking, texting, calling, whatever, it has to be what you're going to do pretty much every day. The best marketing strategy is the one you're going to do. So I oftentimes hear agents tell me like they're about to start cold calling and it never happens because they just really, really, really don't want to do it. If they don't want to do it, whether it's door knocking or cold calling, or you don't want to reach out to agents like, Pick the niche that you could see yourself actually doing every day. I mean, it's like working out, right? You can get in shape for yoga, running, sprinting, lifting weights. Like pick the one that you like and then do it and have a scorecard every week that you're kind of measuring yourself against. There's definitely a cost. 
And so like, even, even with door knocking, like, you know, buying door hangers and stuff like that, you know, has a cost to it. When I say no cost, I would say like anything to me, I know this is going to probably sound bad, but like under like 500 bucks a month, I think is like close to low cost. Um, so I think you could do that with calling and texting and stuff like that somewhere in that vicinity. So pay-per-click, you know, again, that's another strategy that like you're going to need to spend like two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 a month to get any sort of results that you want. So companies that do it, they charge you basically a management fee can be anywhere from like a thousand dollars a month to 2000. And then you pay Google for whatever they spend. And there's a bunch of companies that do it. I'll just give one example in our space. They're called AdWords nerds. They're just a company that will do it for you. They've got a lot of experience doing it. Again, the, the pros of it are like when people fill out a, a Google AdWords form, They've taken the time to turn on their computer and type in that keyword, so they're usually motivated. But what we don't know is, do they have equity in their home? Is it in a city I want to buy? Is it a type of property I want to buy? So you have to be able to process a lot of different areas and a lot of different types of properties, or else I wouldn't recommend it. So Facebook is cheaper but less effective. And if you think about, like again, putting yourself from the, your marketing hat on and you go, would I reply to this? So if you think about the difference between Facebook and Google, when somebody turns on their computer and they go to Google, they are looking to take action. They are telling Google the action that they want. They're saying, sell my house fast, we buy houses, home investors, ocean city development. They're saying something like that, right? So they're like, they're pretty hot. Now, when you talk about a Facebook lead, somebody went on Facebook to look at their cousin's cat. <laughs> and if you think about like what they're doing, they're burning time and then they see this ad, like if they were so motivated to sell their house fast, they would be on Google. They're not on Google, they're on Facebook. So the reason why it's a worse lead is the intent is different. The intent on Google is to do something, buy, take action. The intent on Facebook is to waste time. So when somebody's wasting time and they're like, ah, you know, I hear an offer on my home. You're kind of like suggesting what they want, but they weren't the ones who suggested it. Now, all that that means, this is true on the retail side too, Google versus Facebook, like buyer leads. What's better, a Google buyer lead or a Facebook buyer lead? A Google buyer lead. And Google buyer leads convert at like a five to 10 times higher rate than Facebook leads. Same thing with this business. So you're going to need five or six or seven more Facebook leads for every Google lead that you get. The cost is different too. So Google leads are going to be way more than Facebook leads. To me, like I would rather a good Google lead, but I'm sure some people would rather the 10 leads. Maybe you have a couple more opportunities in there, but they're not as motivated. And I'm speaking very generally, by the way. Like you could be on, someone could go on Facebook to look at their neighbor's cats and they really might be thinking about going on Google and then they see your ad. So that can happen too. All right, so I wanna talk a little bit more now about the Inner Circle program. I've been uh, now in real estate for 20 years, but I've been coaching agents how to invest in real estate since 2017. The Inner Circle program I created about a year ago with the objective of trying to help 
as many people as I possibly can and ultimately create like a win-win scenario for everybody that's in the program. So in the past, I would speak in a room like this and say, hey, my program's $60,000. And out of a room like this, maybe three or four people would want to pay $60,000 for the program. The good for me was that I was working with less people and I was getting a bigger chunk of money up front. The bad for me was that I wasn't able to work with a number of people that were similar to myself. When I started, I didn't have money for coaching. I didn't have any money to do any of this stuff. And so what I wanted to do was try to figure out a way to give people the same value that I was charging $60,000 for, but do it in a way that anybody can afford to get in if they're motivated enough. One thing that I've kind of learned about this business that changed the trajectory of like everything that I've done is I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2003. I didn't do my first investing deal until 2009. So the first deal I did where I made $115,000 on, I didn't use any of my own capital. So it wasn't a lack of capital that stopped me, although I might have thought it was. Scared? I was scared. I was scared. And that, that was probably half the battle. I was scared. So analysis, paralysis, fear, kind of like the same thing. I thought I had no money. And ultimately, at the end of the day, the number one thing that changed my business was when I got a mentor. Because when I did that first deal in 13 Cameron Ave, when I got that property under contract and I got scared and I told my mentor, he said, okay, well, we have two options. Number one, you can either do the deal or number two, you can give that deal to me and I'll do the deal. And he was saying that kind of like facetiously saying like, you better do this deal because it's a good deal. And I needed that push. At the end of the day, like you're the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. If you're around a bunch of people that tell you investing is a scam and it's hard to do and you'll never do it and it's too challenging, you're probably never going to do a deal. If you're around other people that are actively doing deals every single day, the odds are if you're around four other people that are doing deals all the time, you're likely to be the fifth. And that's really what the inner circle is all about. You know, creating a group of people that are actively out there doing deals. You know, we have two guys that were at this table, Mike and Jason, talked about doing deals with us directly. I can guarantee if you guys spent more time with them, you would know it's possible to do this stuff. Um, so fear and honestly, not even knowing if this stuff was real. Like you can read 100 books about investing, but until you do your first deal, it's not like real to you. So the first thing that you guys get is, you know, you get me as a mentor. Now, whether you guys like me or not doesn't really matter. I am definitely one of the best mentors that you can have in New England. Hands down, like no questions asked. I'm very confident that there's not really any sort of real estate investing thing that somebody can come to that's going to stump me that I can't help somebody with. So whether you like me or not, I can guarantee that I can help you. You get 24-7, 365 access to me. And, and one other thing that I think is key to point out that's different about the Inner Circle program um, that I changed. My old program was $60,000 for one year. After one year, it's done. Here's another kind of reality. What we all want, and I want this too, is like we want to make $10 million in the next three months, right? We do, right? That's just human nature. This stuff takes time. Like it's building blocks. So the other thing that I changed about this is this is a lifetime membership. 
It's not a year membership. It's not a two-year membership. It's not a three-year membership. It's a lifetime membership. So what Jay just said, like he was an average agent, that was like, what, 2016? So this is a path. This is a seven-year like path. But, but just to be clear, to make my point, though, that didn't happen in six months. So again, like my whole point of this is like, it's 24-7, 365, but it's also lifetime because one year isn't long enough. Like if we're talking about like achieving financial freedom, you can probably learn most of what you need to learn, but the mentorship probably needs to go on for longer. We talked about the ability, obviously, the entire time to partner with us on flips. That's a guarantee if you're in the inner circle. So I want to be clear about this. Like as we start to promote this, we're going to get a lot of opportunities. My company will get a lot of opportunities because it is a no-brainer great deal for an agent just to bump into a deal and get 50% of the profits. Like that is a no-brainer. You'll never get that opportunity. Like nobody else does that. Um, and probably nobody else ever will. And I'm not even exaggerating. I don't think anybody else will match that. But my point there was we're going to get a lot of opportunities. If you're in the inner circle, we guarantee that we will do those deals with you. We're not going to run out of money. We're not going to say we're too busy. If you're not in the inner circle and you send me a deal and we can do the deal, we like money. We're still going to do that deal. But if we start to get busy and you're not in the inner circle, we might have to tell you that, hey, we can't do this particular deal for whatever reason. A once a month strategy session. So this is something that's offered to all inner circle members. You get individualized help with anything that you need help with once a month. You don't have to come on every call. You can come on every other. You can come on every month. You don't even have to bring a topic. You can kind of listen in, listen along, or you can come and you can get as much help as you need. You know, we talked about the fact that we're going to go on the appointments with you. Free admission to all events in the future. I don't know where this stuff is going to kind of go. I don't know if we're going to start charging in the future or not. But if you're in the inner circle, it's guaranteed that you're not going to get charged. We will analyze if you're in the inner circle, any deal that you have. Like if you're not sure if something is a deal, we have somebody in my office that actually does the analysis on every single like opportunity that we have. And it's basically an investor CMA. They're typically 20 to 30 pages in length. And we're going to give you guys that analysis as though we were buying the property. Whether or not you want to partner with us or not, for any opportunity that you want us to analyze, we'll analyze that for you. And there's a bunch of other stuff here. But the other huge important thing here to keep in mind is that like, if there's any systems-based stuff that we have, and we have a ton, that you need help with, we'll give that to you. So for example, if you decide like you want to make cold calling your thing, like we'll give you all of our scripts. We'll give you everything that we have that we've used in the past to do this stuff. Anything that we have as a resource is available to you. Like we've had, you know, times where people need to have their a property that they're going to flip scoped or budgets or budget tools and calculators and spreadsheets, like anything that we have, which is a lot, I could, you know, probably do a three hour seminar on like the, the business things that we have, it's available to anybody that's in this room. So I talked about like making this accessible to anybody. How you can get in is on this paper. And really there's no reason why everybody in this room doesn't have the ability, if they want to join the inner circle. 
Like if you don't want to join for whatever reason, that's okay. But if you look at the bottom of this sheet, like there's no reason why anybody in this room can look at themselves in the mirror and say, I can't do this. Okay. So there's three ways to do it. Uh, option one, and this is just an option, is to join our brokerage. Okay. So that is one way to join the inner circle is to join our brokerage. Now, why everyone in this room can do this is because 95% of the people in this room could switch brokerages. We have some fantastic benefits of just joining the brokerage. We have 375 agents in the brokerage. I'm going to cover, besides the inner circle stuff, most of the agents that have joined our brokerage joined having nothing to do with the inner circle. They joined because just as a brokerage, we have a great brokerage. As you guys probably have found out through this presentation, like I like money and I like other people around me to have money too. I think financials matter at brokerages. And I, I think most brokerages, their entire pitch is on why the financials don't matter. I think financials matter. And we have some of the best financials in the business. We have an 80-20 split with no fees. Chris, you love that thing, right? No fees. As soon as we say no fees, five hands go up and they go, what about E&O? What about printing stuff? What about this? What about that? Like legit no fees. Okay. Like no, like you sign your contract and there's 7% royalty to somebody else. Like it's 80, 20. There's nothing else. We don't charge you for anything else. We have a $20,000 cap the day that somebody signs on, but we've initiated something called a disappearing cap. Disappearing cap means every year on your anniversary, it's up there in that billboard. Your cap goes down $2,000 per year. Okay. So in year, after year one, your cap goes to 18. After year two, your cap goes to 16. After year three, your cap goes to 14. Even if you didn't sell a house. Okay. You could go five years, not sell a house, and you're at a $10,000 cap. Does that benefit me? No, but it's just what we do. Right. Because we want to make sure that we're rewarding loyalty. Loyalty in brokerages is a hard thing nowadays. Like people switch brokerages like all the time. We want to make sure that if you're loyal to us, you don't have to come back to us and renegotiate and say, hey, you know, Colwell told me they would do four. No, you're going to be minus 2000 every single year. We also have something called um, a profit tree. You earn 20% of company dollar for every agent that you bring in. Um, our cap is 20000 If that agent caps, you earn $4,000. You get paid every time they get paid. Would not join for that reason alone, but it gives you guys some encouragement, like if you think that somebody's a fit for our company, to bring them into our company. I could be like EXP and like project that out. Like if you get 10 cappers, you're going to make $40,000 a year, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. That is not, should not be ever. Agents' top priority should never be recruiting. Ever, ever, ever. Maybe one out of a thousand agents that, that do that make anything worth talking about. The reason why I wouldn't recommend that, by the way, is like you could spend a bunch of time recruiting agents, and then what happens? They start to leave, right? Because you're all moving around. You guys want assets that are only going to leave you when you want them to leave you. Like you own a multifamily building, you're gonna get a raise every single year. You're gonna cash flow every year, right? Your, your debt is gonna get paid down. Your equity is gonna grow. You choose whether or not you want that asset to go away. So one thing I won't do is spend a bunch of time having you guys focus on recruiting 
It's more like help us grow the brokerage. Here's a thank you. Don't spend a whole bunch of time on this. Spend it on investing because that's actually what matters. I've seen more agents spend time on recruiting and have their business go in half. Oh, yeah, you recruited five agents, but you sold 10 less houses this year. Like the math doesn't add up. And then with the brokerage, we do training every week. We have virtual training. Since when COVID hit, we made sure that we could train people virtually. You can come into the office for training. Most people that are even like one town over still watch it virtually. Um, but you guys are more than welcome to come in. We have award ceremonies. We have monthly sales meetings. And I could kind of go on and on about the brokerage. I guess the most important thing to do with the brokerage is to number one, say, hey, am I interesting in the inner circle? And would I ever consider maybe possibly a brokerage switch? If the answer is like, maybe possibly, fill out the form, give it to the back, and we'll reach out to you. Like everything else, we know that not everybody's going to be ready to switch brokerages today for a thousand different reasons. We'd rather have the conversation now. Maybe you come over next week. Maybe you come over next year. Maybe you come over in five years. But some people might want to join the inner circle, but they can't switch brokerages, right? For, for some reason, um, I, we do run into these situations. And the second way to join the inner circle is in, to invest in one of our apartment deals. So I didn't talk a lot about our apartment deals because that's not the focus for this event. When we do an apartment deal, typically we're raising somewhere between four to $7 million to get these deals done. We raise money from private individuals in increments of anywhere from 50,000 to a million dollars a piece um, for people that have money either in a self-directed IRA or money sitting in the bank that they want to have working for them. There are a lot of different ways that people can invest with us, but no matter how somebody invests with us, they're going to get double digit returns and they're going to get monthly dividends. So if you've got your money in an IRA and you're like, oh, like I'm not getting double-digit guaranteed returns every year, or I've got my money sitting in a bank account and I'm getting, you know, zero percent in my bank, three or four percent in a money market, and you want to get double-digit returns, that's an option too. And then the last option, because there are people who can't leave their brokerage, they own their brokerage, um, and they either don't want to or can't invest fifty thousand dollars or more, we can just pay a flat ninety-nine ninety-five fee. So basically $10,000 to get access to all of this stuff. It's my least preferred method of getting somebody in the inner circle. Every single one of these events, I have people that want to join, but can't leave their brokerage, don't want to invest 50000 So I just created a third option so that, again, anybody who raised their hand, like I asked you guys in the beginning, like, are you serious about investing? It'd be hard for me to have you look at these three options and go, oh, I can't do one of those three. Like you can do one of these three. There's no excuse as to why you can't do one of these three if you really want the benefits of what we're talking about today. All right. So we talked about like why it's important to get these flips, what it can do for you, right? What would it mean to get chunks of $30,000 direct deposited into your account once, twice, three times a year? Once a year is possible with taking a passive approach. Two or three times a year is definitely possible if you take a more active approach. 
So I'm talking like when I when I say something, right, I want to be realistic. I want to be conservative, right? It is very possible to passively do one a year, to actively do two or three a year. Now, you could get to 20. You're probably not going to get to 20 tomorrow. You're probably not going to get to 20 this year. But you could get to 20 over the course of a couple of years if you really wanted to. But I'm talking about like when we look at everything, we run our business on uh, the entrepreneurial operating system, which breaks our business into four quarters, right? So we, we always want to look at like, where do we want to go long-term, but what do we need to do this quarter to get to where we need to go? So for a lot of you in this room, if you've never done a flip or never worked with us before, like even doing one in a year, like that's an accomplishment because you're going in the right direction. The most important thing is getting started and making a little bit of progress like every single quarter. And then the quarters start to stack up and then you get to 20 a year. So it's important not just because you want to earn chunks of 30 or 60 or $90,000 in a year, but it's the more important thing truthfully is getting around and getting into more long-term deals. So what do we all want to get to? You know, I mentioned in the beginning, we want 10, 15, $20,000 a month of passive income. Maybe some of us want more, but let's start with what's achievable. So if every one of these buildings that you buy throws off 20,000 a year, how many of these do we need to get six figures a year in passive income? Five, right? So five over a 10 year period, one every other year, I'm being extremely conservative, right? And the reality is, is by the time you get to that 10th year, if you went really, really slow, it's not gonna be 100,000 because your rents are gonna go up every single year. That 100 is going to probably be 120 or 130 or 140. And then the other thing is, once you get a few of these assets, you can then use the equity in these assets to buy more assets. So the hardest part is getting your first one or two or three deals. Once you have, call it three multifamilies, every year you're going to probably be able to refinance one of them, get equity out of one of them to use as a down payment for another. And now you're building your war chest of passive income. But to me, it all starts with one deal. It started with one deal for us. It started with 13 Cameron F and earning $115,000 on that deal. And using that deal to parlay it into more deals, more passive income, more money. But it all starts with making the commitment to getting started, right? Like the inner circle stuff, all of these benefits are huge. But one of the biggest benefits for joining is the actual action that you took to actually commit yourself to doing it. Making a commitment, and I did that when I got my mentor. Like I made a commitment, like there was no looking back because now I'm working with somebody. Now they're asking me like, well, what are you doing? Now I have no excuses not to do what I've been talking about doing. But it all starts with one and then growing from there. And we've helped people, you know, go from, you know, do very small investment businesses to scaling, you know, larger. Um, and there's people within our company that have scaled larger. So I think for me, really, that's it. I mean, we've covered we've covered enough. Um, I'm sure that like, you know, there, there's more that I could talk about. But I think for the purposes of today, like we've covered what we need to cover. Well, I should say something else about social media that I think is important. You should be repurposing all of your content across all of the platforms that you use. So if you already have a LinkedIn profile with 10,000 followers, you should not just like throw that aside. I guess what I was kind of referencing was like, if you're starting brand new, do you start with LinkedIn? I'd say the answer is no. But if you already have a huge LinkedIn, 
then all of your posts should be on LinkedIn. Like I post on Twitter and I have like no, barely any Twitter following, but it only takes me like another second to post on Twitter. So I just do it because I'm like, yeah, if I reach 10 people, I reach 10 people. I guess that's it. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.